0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Friday wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Just finished the Clay and Buck Show. want to remind you, we'll be down in Florida Monday and Tuesday. And Tuesday we will be with 45 himself, President Donald Trump from Mar-a-Lago. Live from 12 to 3 Eastern should be a good time there. I hope all of you have fantastic weekends. I hope you are reveling. And finally, after two years of insanity, so many mask mandates falling down, even in crazy left-wing blue city and states. Every state, I believe now, has announced an end to their mask mandate, with the exception of Hawaii Uh, They won't come out and say, oh, by the way, Clay Travis, you were right. No kids should have ever worn masks. They will not admit that because they don't want to admit that they were wrong. But it's important for you to know and for everybody out there to know they were wrong. And every politician who advocated for masks needs to lose in November. Every politician who advocated for defund the police needs to lose in November. There need to be real consequences in our political culture for politicians who got things like masks and like defund the police so fundamentally wrong. They are paid for their judgment and their judgment was wrong. There have to be consequences for their failures. All right, speaking of failure, right off the top here, The College Football Playoff Committee has announced that they will be sticking with four teams for the next four years. This is a major league failure on behalf of college football. And in particular, it is the ACC making an awful choice not to expand. Now, you can agree or disagree with my position here. I think we should have 12 college football teams Four with buys in the playoff, four with buys, one, two, three, and four, and then the remaining eight teams should play the opening weekend on campus of the higher seeded team, right? So five would play 12, six would play 11, uh, seven would play 10, and eight would play nine. Five, six, seven, and eight seeds would all get to host home playoff games. I think we should play as many games as we possibly can on campus. This should be happening. It isn't happening because of the failure of the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, and, uh, and uh, the, the Big 12, I think, all five of the major conferences to come to agreement. And really, this is a failure of the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. Because the SEC and the Big 12 were in favor of playoff expansion to 12 teams. It's the right call. But they're not going to do it now for the next four years. And everybody out there needs to understand, I actually think the SEC is being incredibly lenient in many ways here because they've been dominating the existing system. We're coming off of Georgia and Alabama playing for the national championship. We've seen three straight years where three different SEC teams have won national championships. LSU, Alabama, and now Georgia, bang, 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 three different teams winning national championships. And going back to 1998, you can argue, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming on, think about this for a minute. Going all the way back to 1998, in a two or four-team playoff, the SEC in a couple of years is going to have Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida. Seven different teams that have won national championships, almost half of the conference. You got Texas A&M still kicking around out there. I feel like they have a very good chance to win the championship at some point as well. We're talking about half of the SEC in the last 20 plus years, having won national championships in a system where only two or four teams are making the college football playoff. Now, I understand there's a reticence to change something, but if you're the ACC, but for Clemson rising up to a high level of success, you have nobody really playing for a championship on a regular basis. If you're the Pac-12, you only had a couple of teams in the playoff And so far, you've only won, to my knowledge, one playoff game in year one when Oregon beat Florida State. So if you're the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma, if you're the Pac-12, if you are the ACC, the SEC and the Big 10 are probably gonna be okay because they are the straws that stir the drink in terms of overall college football audience and success top to bottom in the conference. This is nonsensical to me that college football could have bungled this. But, you know, it's funny. When I talk to my sons now, they really find, they're, they're big college football fans now. My 14-year-old and my 11-year-old, when I tried to explain the BCS to them, their, ble- their brains almost exploded. And then when I tried to say, hey, you know, when dad was young, sometimes we would have more than one champion. And they said, what do you mean you would have more than one champion? I said, well... There was an AP poll, and then there was a coach's poll, and some years, there'd be a difference of opinion. For instance, in 1997, the last year before the BCS, I said, Michigan, your mom's school won a half a championship, and Nebraska won the other half of the championship. And they said, why didn't they just play, Dad, and see who was the better team? I said, yeah, no kidding, But that was the reality of the system that many of us grew up with and even trying to explain the concept of the BCS to them, they they don't really get it. They're like, wait, quartiles and points and computers and all this other stuff. And by the way, the BCS was a drastically improved system over what existed before the BCS. But college football tends to move slowly. I think it's the wrong decision. Every other sport in America is expanding their playoff. Now, I understand the argument out there of people who say, well, we're not even gonna, uh, the college football playoff is not even very competitive with four teams. What makes you think it's gonna be more competitive with 12? And I understand that argument. But my position would be, hey, you go into November right now and there's like eight to 10 teams that really feel like they have a chance oftentimes, to make the college football playoff. If you have 12 teams, we will go into November and 30 or 35 different fan bases will think, hey, if things break our way, we could end up in the college football playoff. I think that's better, right? Because right now, there are a lot of teams that feel by the time they're done with September, certainly by the time they're done with October, There is absolutely nothing for them to play for in terms of a championship. And that's why I believe expanding the college football playoff makes sense. I'm not sure it changes the overall outcome, but I do think it keeps the hope of winning a championship alive. And I actually think this is the best argument for expanding the college football playoff. It will expand the overall number of schools, I believe, that are getting high quality content Uh, in terms of recruits because right now there's only six or eight schools that are really able to sell, hey, we're going to go to the college football playoff if you come here and kids want to go to the college football playoff. This is no great surprise. And so this is, I believe, one of the most important things college football can do to help to grow the overall brand and make it a national sport as opposed to a regional sport. By the way, I got to talk about this for a minute. I know OutKick has been leading the charge on this story in general. But if you look at what's going on at the University of Pennsylvania and in the Ivy League Swimming Championships, it's a disgrace. But first, before I get to that, I want to tell you all about my friends at Bird Dogs. You know, Bird Dogs has the absolute best pants and shorts that I have ever worn. They are absolutely fantastic, comfortable, really good feeling shorts and pants. And you need to go check them out if you haven't already. I know there's a lot of people out there kind of embarrassed by the shorts and the pants that your dads wear, that your sons wear, that the men in your lives wear. They're just not making good choices when it comes to fashion. I know there's some women out there probably saying, "Hey." And you're one of them, Clay Travis. And you're right. That's why I've got Bird Dogs making my wife happy by wearing pants that don't embarrass her when we go out to dinner with my friends at Bird Dogs and making my kids happy because dad's got some up-to-date shorts instead of wearing the same ones that I've had for 20 years. You can get hooked up right now, birddogs.com. Use the promo code Clay, that is C-L-A-Y to get hooked up right now with an incredible offer. Again, that is birddogs.com. Get there today. They're focused on making sure that they have the best pants and the best shorts out there. uh, Made to be comfortable. They stretch. You can also get built-in liners that replace the need for boxers. They will hook you up in a big way. Again, birddogs.com. Promo code Clay. They'll throw in a free Bird Dogs whistle when you use the promo code Clay. Again, use my name, C-L-A-Y, and get hooked up today. You will love these pants and shorts at birddogs.com. Okay, well, this is what's going on at the Ivy League Swimming Championships. Uh, A three-year transgender male swimmer that decided to become a woman won the 500 meter in the Ivy League Championships, which are going on for multiple days. And many people in the media are not covering this because you have a collision of identities. I wrote about this in the Friday mailbag. It'll be up shortly. But this is what happens when you have identities colliding in the pyramid of victimization. Are you going to come down on the side, which is the side that I have chosen, of women, of Title IX, of women being able to win championships? Or are you going to come down on the side of a man deciding that he is going to become a woman and then become one of the greatest women swimmers of all time. This is not competitive. Uh, This is the very essence of a competitive integrity. This is not complicated, okay? Here is the essence of this question. We all the time make decisions based on the size, the height, the weight, the strength of athletes and what levels they can compete in. For instance, Mike Tyson was a great heavyweight boxer back in the day. He wouldn't have been fighting Floyd Mayweather because Tyson might well murder him. Tyson is bigger, stronger, and faster than Floyd Mayweather. That's why, maybe not faster, but certainly bigger and stronger. That's why we have weight classes. And that's why we have different sizes in terms of high schools. That's why we have different ages when it comes to Little League. Right now, I'm coaching uh, and have coached Little League baseball and basketball. Are you telling me that it makes sense for a 16 year old kid to be able to compete against a six year old? Of course not. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. Men who have swam competitively in the Ivy League as men should not then be able to decide that they want to become women and dominate. This is the essence of failure. And what you see in stories such as these is by and large they are ignored and they pretend, people in the mainstream media do. That stories like these don't exist because it forces identities to collide. Are you in favor of transgender athletes being able to take over women's sports? Remember, we're talking about men who decide to be women. Or are you in favor of women's sports? Because if we didn't separate men's and women's sports, women would never win. Women would never win anything because men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. In the state of Texas high school track competition, the fastest women's sprinters of all time are beaten by 16, 17, and 18-year-old boys. The fastest woman of all time gets crushed by high school boys just in the state of Texas. Again, it's biology. Just basic biology. And if you're not allowing men's and women's sports to be separated, then transgender men who decide to become women are going to dominate women's athletics. It is going to become a bigger and bigger story going forward. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Uh, We had some fun uh, on the show in general uh, talking about a difficult poll question. Buck Sexton came up with this today, uh, my co-host on the radio program. And he said, hey, who would you pick as the more likable politician. Hillary Clinton or Kamala Harris. And right now, there are nearly 20,000 of you have voted in a little over an hour. And And the comments continue to roll in and they are pretty funny. And we are at a dead heat, 50 to 50, in terms of who is more likable, Hillary Clinton or Kamala Harris. And look, here's what I've argued. I argued last night on Tucker Carlson's show. I said, hey, you know what? I think there's a good chance that Kamala Harris versus Hillary Clinton is going to end up being the choice for 2024 for Democrats. And Democrats are going to have to make a decision. Do we support Kamala Harris, the first black female vice president, or do we support Hillary Clinton? And that is going to turn into a battle of woke politics because I guarantee you that Kamala is going to say that Hillary is racist just like she said, by the way, that Joe Biden is racist and I guarantee you that this battle is going to potentially represent the future of the Democratic Party because Mayor Pete is not in the running. Too many people out there uh, uh, have not acknowledged or won't recognize that a gay man, because of the power of black voters in the Democratic Party, they're not going to support a a gay guy like Mayor Pete. Look at what happened in South Carolina. He's out of the running. Uh, There's a lot of other old candidates that I don't think have enough left. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. uh, You can run through that litany of candidates. They're just too old. I think it's going to come down to Hillary versus Kamala, and I think Hillary's going to get it, and I think she's going to lose again. That's what I think is going to happen in 2024, but we'll have to wait and see. I want to talk about this story. It's a big one. Uh, But before I get into the story that's going on right now in Louisville, I'm going to tell you about my friends at Farm Folio. Right now, we have a couple of OutKick employees on the ground in Columbia touring these farmland facilities. You heard me talk about it all during the fall and all during OutKick, the tailgate. If you're concerned about market volatility or inflation and how could you not be right now, Farmfolio can help you diversify your portfolio into cash-flowing farmland. We all know about rental real estate. Cash flow and appreciation are the name of the game. Thanks to Farmfolio's farmland lots, your trees act as the tenants and they pay for themselves in fruit sold by Farmfolio's international sales team to the likes of Walmart and Costco. Ultimately, that generates cash flow for you. And as your cash flow increases, your property value also will increase. So if you are really interested in where your fruit in your supermarket comes from, now you can know with Farmfolio turnkey farmland ownership. A recent study protect projects that farmland is going to continue to increase at an incredible rate that is less risky, potentially, than what's going on in the stock market and what's going on with inflation surging, you need a hedge against that inflation. Buy land, they aren't making more of it, said Mark Twain. And over the last 40 years, the world's lost a third of its farmable land. That's why you need to go get hooked up right now and do what I did, invest in real estate, invest with Farmfolio. You can go to farmfolio.net slash clay. I did, you can as well, farmfolio.net slash clay. You can even go see the farmland that I own up on Instagram right now. I own a couple of, a little little segment of lime trees in Columbia and Jill Savage who works with OutKick is down in Columbia right now. She stood right by my portion of the Farmfolio lot. Go get hooked up today at farmfolio.net slash clay. Um, All right, let's talk about what's going on in Louisville. So this is a crazy story. I think it should be the number one story in the world of the United States domestic story, right? We got Ukraine going on. We got the Canadian truckers, which I'll talk about in a moment. But what happened in Louisville is interesting. There's a man named Craig Greenberg who is running for mayor of Louisville. Craig Greenberg uh, is a Jewish man running for the office as a Democrat as mayor of Louisville. Well, a man named Quintez Brown, 21-year-old Black Lives Matter supporter who has regularly advocated for BLM and even appeared on Joy Reid's television show on MSNBC, he walked into Craig Greenberg's campaign office and fired a gun multiple times at him. Now, fortunately... Uh, Quintez Brown missed. But he's been charged with attempted murder. He was arrested. Two days after he was arrested, he was let out on bail of only $100,000. Let me repeat that. He walked in, attempted to assassinate a Jewish Democrat running for the office of mayor in Louisville, and he was let out on bail for only $100,000. Gets worse than that. In addition to being let out on bail for $100,000, he was bailed out by Black Lives Matter Louisville. Think about that for a minute. BLM Louisville raised money, crowdfunded, $100,000 in bail money, and let Quintez Brown out just two days after he attempted to assassinate a Jewish politician running as a Democrat for mayor of Louisville. This story should be everywhere because it raises several real issues. One, how in the world can Black Lives Matter justify bailing out an alleged assassin of a Jewish mayoral candidate? Okay, number one. Number two, how can crowdsourcing allow money to be raised in this case and not allow it with Kyle Rittenhouse and the Canadian truckers? Number three, can you imagine... The way that the story would be covered, if this had been a Donald Trump supporter, Donald Trump supporter walks into a Democrat mayor's office, attempts to murder him, only gets $100,000 in bail, and then a Trump-affiliated charity had bailed that shooter out, the media would be in an uproar over it. Yet BLM does it, And everyone is trying to pretend this story doesn't exist. It should be, in my opinion, the lead domestic story in the world of politics right now. Now, I opened with sports. Usually, I open out, kick the show with sports. But this is crazy that this story exists and is receiving a relative paucity of attention overall. Um, You guys know I'm a sports gambler. uh, And I try to tell you, what stocks I am buying, sometimes selling. So several years ago, I bought DraftKings at around $10 a share. And I then sold DraftKings in 2020 for $30 a share. Stock went all the way up to 70 It now has come all the way back down as we are speaking today, as DraftKings announced that they are going to continue to lose money all throughout next year and certainly as the stock market under Joe Biden this year has turned very much negative, DraftKings has fallen all the way down to $17, as I'm speaking to you right now with about 25 minutes left in the trading day. DraftKings has fallen all the way down to $17.40 per share. Uh, That is near the all-time low. And again, the 52-week high Is $74 a share. Uh, I believe that somebody is going to buy, and now it has hit an all time low. I bought it today, all right? I bought it today with the idea being I'm gonna hold this stock for four, five, maybe even 10 years, because I believe DraftKings is going to be one of the three or four companies left standing in sports gambling. And as these stocks are getting hammered and continuing to accrue losses, As the dollar price on this stock continues to decline, somebody is going to come in and buy up this company, I really do believe, for their market share, if nothing else. A bigger company, what it will look like, when it will occur, I'm not sure exactly, but I do believe that DraftKings stock, if you have the money and if you have the time to sit on it for the next four or five years, which is what I'm gonna do, you're going to be, I believe, handsomely rewarded. I told you guys back in March of 2020, as the stock market totally tanked, I told you, hey, I'm going all in on stocks. I did it. Uh, I believe that sports gambling stocks have been hammered. Certainly, uh, right now, you've got DraftKings at basically its all time low in the last year. I think the long term value here is substantial. It is why I am going in. You don't have to do what I do. I just try to be as honest with you as I possibly can. I'm all in on DraftKings stock right now. Uh, Finally, as we are speaking and as we finish the Clay and Buck show, uh, it appears that the Canadian government has begun to arrest all of the truckers in Ottawa as they are saying the protest has to come to a close. I don't want us to forget or ignore even though it's a different country, the precedent that has been set in Canada. And it is this. You do not have the right to protest if the government decides they don't like your protest. This represents the antithesis of the marketplace of ideas, the antithesis of First Amendment American values. What the government of Canada is saying is, if... We don't like what you are protesting in favor of. We will label you a terrorist. We will arrest you. We will cancel and potentially uh, uh, freeze all of your bank accounts in Canada if you even donate to the causes of politicians, which uh, the causes of political ideals which we disagree with. This is an unbelievable, chilling move by Justin Trudeau and everyone in Canada that he is attacking now. And I got to tell you, we used to think of Canada as this easygoing country to our north that was very moderate, that didn't make crazy moves. And now they have become incredibly irrational and they are behaving in what I believe is an authoritarian manner. They are seizing people who are peacefully protesting. They are... Freezing the bank accounts of people who donate, some of these people only donating $20 or $40. And the media, the media is doing the bidding of trying to track down all the people who made these donations. It is absolutely indefensible. I stand with the Canadian truckers. I am confident that they are on the right side of the history and that I am on the right side of history by supporting them. Appreciate all of you. Go give us five stars on this show if you are listening to the audio. Go subscribe to the Clay and Buck Show. We will be live down in Florida Monday and Tuesday of next week. I hope all of you have fantastic weekends. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been Outkick the Show.